Hey, thanks so much for joining us at C3 Fort Worth's podcast. We're excited to share this message with you as Pastor Brandon continues our Future People series. For more information, please visit us at c3fortworth.com. If you could, turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to hang out. This is actually the first time I've preached during the Future People series because we had Pastor Paul and Judy up here on a panel. How good was that? And then Pastor Paul delivered a 40-minute word in 15 minutes. That was incredible. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we had Taylor Berger here from Lima, Peru. Uh, that was not even planned, so that was awesome. And then we had Sean. How many of you loved Sean Weavers last week? Was that not amazing? Uh, Sean planting a church in Colorado. He passes a church now, Sean and Jen Weavers, and now planting a church in Colorado next year that we financially are supporting. And that's the other thing about this new location. It is going to cost more. It is going to stretch us financially. It is in the budget, but it is one of those things that is dependent upon every one of us continuing to be faithful in what we're doing, faithful in our giving, and for for some of us, actually in the new year. And this is two things that we're asking of everyone. Towards the end of the year, we'll do a one-time offering towards kind of what we're doing next, and then what we're asking everyone in January is to commit to tithe. And I know that word has so many, it, it just means 10%. And the reality of it is, is that so many times we try to go, well, what about, and Scott mentioned this, you pray and you decide. And we don't, even, we don't want to coerce anyone into giving. We want people to have prayed about it and have made a decision about how they're going to give. And, uh, and we believe tithing is the training wheels for generosity. Amen? And so we are people who just believe in that. We believe in giving. It allows us to keep finances where they should be, underneath God, not above him. Amen? And uh, so many times we come into church and we worry about our money instead of worshiping our God because we have, dis- we have put things in wrong order. Amen? And if you've been in our church for any season of time, you remember the chocolate fountain. Chocolate Fountain is my greatest illustration ever in the history of C3. And uh, you got to put the right thing at the top because everything flows out of what you've put at the top. And so if you don't put God at the top, then what happens? God gets changed by whatever is at the top. If money's at the top or fame's at the top or whatever else is at the top, if it goes bad, then God goes bad. And what we need to do is make sure God stays where he belongs. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're, I'm, this is the first time I've preached in this series, and I've been really excited about this series because we're future people, and I believe the decision we're making about our venue, um, and I do have, well, okay, I need to make one more announcement. Because of the new location and because of what we're doing and because of kind of that situation and because of Vickery and what the Christmas season looks like, we will not be in Vickery for the month of December, but we will also not be in Botanic Gardens for the month of December. Neither one of those things would match up for us. That's part of just the deal. And so for the month of December, we will be where we have been in in months past when we've had to go to a new location at the Lancaster City Center, which is also the house of the net over on East Lancaster. So we would love for you to just make that... Put that in your mind, December 3rd through the month of December, we will be at the Lancaster City Center. Obviously, we'll tell you more about that, but that is just kind of how it worked out. But I'll take it, because in January, I ain't got to move no more. Amen? So I'm really excited about that. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. One of the interesting things about 1 Corinthians 13 is that you find it between two other chapters that are talking about the gifts of the Spirit. You find it between, in fact, the tail end of 1 Corinthians 12, you talk about Paul tells us to pursue the gifts of the Spirit, and then you see the same thing in the first verse of chapter 14, where he says you should pursue these things, especially the gift of tongues and prophecy. Okay, so you've got these two things, and then in 
chapter 13, it seems like he's going a different direction. It seems like he's almost speaking against the gifts. But what he's actually doing in 1 Corinthians 13 is giving you a kind of a, a guide for your gifts. He's saying to you that, okay, you pursue this, and then he's saying pursue this. And right in the middle, he's making sure you understand that with the gifts comes a guide. And the guide should be the love that you have. That if you don't have love, you do not have the gift. The gift actually is not going to work. And in fact, if you do the gift without the guide, then you will begin to get off track, and it will just be a loud, noisy symbol, and it will be frustrating to people rather than encouraging to people. And so the love chapter is not to, to diminish the gifts, it's to govern and guard and guide the gifts so that you use them in proper ways and use them to actually build up the body of Christ. Because how many of you know your gift is intended for people? Right? And that's what future people understand. Future people understand that God has not given me these gifts just simply so that I could do what I want to do. He's given me these gifts that I might do this for people. In fact, when Jesus called the disciples, he said, I want you to follow me, and I will make you, and you will become fishers of what? Men. He, he takes them and follows Jesus. Hey, you need to follow me. Then he says, I will make you. But then he also says, at some point, this is going to become something that blesses other people. And so love is the guide for our gifts. It governs our gifts. If we are not loving people, then we should, re, we should restructure that, reframe that, sync that up, rather than worrying so much about our gifts. Because love is the thing that guides those things. And so at the very end of 1 Corinthians 13, he writes a little verse. And again, he would not have broken these up. These were letters to a people still trying to figure out this Christianity thing in a city that was well-to-do, well-known, uh, he's writing these letters, trying to give them an idea of what you should be doing. In fact, there's some dis dis disagreements in the church at the time, which is why he focuses on the gifts and why he focuses on love, because they were doing the gifts without the love. Amen? And so that he had to step into that situation. And so he writes 1 Corinthians 13, but again, he would have just written it in the flow. That's why you got to read the Bible in the flow. You can't just always break it apart. And he writes this at the very end of 1 Corinthians 13, which I'm sure we'll reference later on tonight at the wedding. I always, I always love people asking me to put 1 Corinthians 13 in their wedding. Because 1 Corinthians 13 is not a, a chapter where you read it and go, well, I'm doing that very well. 1 Corinthians 13 is like, I don't think I ever knew what love was. That's what, you read 1 Corinthians 13 and go, I'm not sure I know Jesus. And uh, I'm not sure I love anybody. I feel like a terrible human being. And, uh, and so 1 Corinthians 13 is a challenging chapter. And so I love to read that to people getting married because I'm like, you going to do this? Like, I'm saying this in front of everybody. And um, you sure you don't want me to read something else? Like, and so, first, so he writes at the very end of this, and this is where I want to hang out. And, and I haven't preached in a few weeks because we've done a few different things. So um, I'm really excited, and I'm having a tough time going, I'm going to do this in the correct order. I kind of want to just jump, jump to everything and say everything all at the same time, which I feel like would not be super effective. So we'll stick with order. We'll try order. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. It says, now we see things imperfectly. Like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Now, remember, Paul's talking about a mirror that is not like yours at home. It's maybe a little less uh, clear, maybe a little less uh, perfect. It doesn't show, which maybe for some of us, we would rather have Paul's mirror, right? Like, you, well, no, I do look good. The mirror can't, I don't even know what I look, I look good. Uh, right now, we get in front of our mirrors and go, oh, my God, like, what is that? And, um, and so, I, so he's saying that this is this a different kind of mirror, just to make sure the illustration makes sense. But then we will see. Everybody say now. Everybody say then. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know 
now, everybody say now, is partial and incomplete. But then, everybody say then, I will know everything completely. Just as God now knows me. Wow, y'all pick up quick. You are good. Now knows me completely. What I love about that last part of verse 12 is it doesn't have a then. What I love about that last part of verse 12 is that it is not saying, and then God will know me more. No, God knows you. He knows everything about you, and he loves you still. I just, I just love that part. It is not part of my message. I just think it's good. Now and then. And this is probably one of the greatest challenges of any believer's life is living in the now and then. Living in the present and the future. Because that's what we have been called to do. See, the moment we give our life to Jesus, we immediately adopt an eternal perspective to our life while still living in a temporary situation. For many of us who do not believe in Jesus, we have one or the other. And one of the challenges of the church, and and for seasons of the church, what happened is we got so captivated by the then that we forgot the now Or sometimes as believers, we get so wrapped up in the now that we forget a then is coming. It's almost like if I were to give you $5,000 and say, hey, I want you to go buy every piece of clothing you would ever need for the rest of your life. I'm going to give you five grand. And all you do is come back with tank tops, T-shirts, and shorts. As though you're going to move with the seasons, right? I'm going to go north and south of the equator whenever I need to go, wherever I need to go. You know, I didn't give you money to fly like that. It, you're messing up the illustration, right? It, 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 you don't, you don't, you buy, have you ever, ever gotten to the end of summer and looked around and go, I don't have any winter clothes. I know all you ladies have because you say it every year, even though we've been through 11 winters together, Meredith. Like, how do you not have any winters? Like, how do you? <laughs> I just ruined my, man, everything I had set up earlier. Like, wait, babe. Uh, okay, I'm back. I'm back. So inappropriate. And, uh, and so, so li- listen, here's, here, we have as believers, one of the toughest things we do in life is that we have to live, we get to live this now and then life. That now I see things imperfectly, but I still have to see them. But then I will see them clearly, and I need to still believe in that. And I, I have a present reality and a future hope and for me I have to live with those all at the same time it is very much like the disciples who followed Jesus and Jesus said I'm going to make you fishers of men and then they started to walk with Jesus and they would go and try to heal somebody and they thought they were going to be like the number one I'm going to sit at the right hand of the father tell us Jesus who's the best right and then they go try to heal somebody or they try to cast out a demon and they get beat up and they run back to Jesus and go and this is not what I signed up for I signed up for the then not the now I'm supposed to be in the then and not now like that's where I'm supposed to be living why am I not doing it all correctly yet I mean, that's where the disciples lived, isn't it? I mean, even when Jesus died and rose again, and here the disciples going, wait, 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 wait. The now is supposed to be different. But Jesus had been teaching them about the then for so long. And and for many of us, we get it mixed up, and we think it's a there instead of a then. We want to escape to a heaven rather than bring heaven to earth. But the prayer is that heaven would come 
to earth. He doesn't say, he doesn't say here and there. He says now and then, almost as though we are not working towards escaping this life. We are working towards engaging this world, and we are meant to, over the, uh, over the course of time, to bring what God has ordained and created and made and his original intent onto the earth, because the Bible does talk about a new heaven and a new earth. Now, we're not going to get into all that today. That could be a fun series uh, or a very difficult one. But the understanding that maybe I'm not meant to try to escape here, but I'm meant to bring then now. I'm meant to bring my future into my present. And, and, and I don't, like, what, what a person, a future person has future convictions. A future person has convictions about the future that cause them to live differently in the now. So even though the now isn't perfect, I'm living with an understanding of what God wants to do. And so I'm not a person uh, trying to obtain perfection. I'm a person pursuing a purpose. Perfection will never do you any good if there is no purpose in your life. In fact, the Bible says, Paul says that God, whoever, the God who complete, started a good work in you would be faithful to complete it. But then he tacks on this little phrase, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, which basically means you ain't done yet, and you will never be until you meet Jesus face to face. So quit worrying about the perfection thing. That is just not going to come. And how many of you know the person who thinks they're perfect is just the person you do not want to be around? I would much rather be around a person who has purpose in their heart and doesn't mind that every once in a while they're going to mess something up and they're rough around the edges, but God is still working in their lives. Amen. Future people have future conviction and convictions, and it changes the way they live in the present. And it's not easy all the time. You know, sometimes we can lose our convictions of tomorrow, and, and so we don't change our today. We, we can get comfortable, so comfortable in our present, even in the bad parts of our present. We can get so comfortable in our present that we don't live by the convictions of our tomorrow. Anyone ever been in that boat? That, that's when worry starts to creep in, and that's part two, and that will be next week after you've eaten a bunch of food this week, and you come back, and you're ready to go. But, but, but I'm just, like, we, we lose our convictions about our future, and so it begins to mess with our present. And what we find is we find a culture that says the future doesn't matter. Just live today for today. And then they do things that we don't understand. And yet we've been teaching to them, just do what you want to do. You know, I think about all the things that are in the news right now with powerful uh, producers and and, and, uh, uh, politicians. And we're all picking sides like as though if the Democrats have more uh, sexual assaults or the Republicans have more that somehow someone is winning. Nobody's winning right now. And yet we've taught people that the future doesn't matter. Just live today like you want to live today. Then we get mad when they live today like it doesn't matter. Because the only thing that makes today matter is that there's something you're pushing towards that you're aiming for. Because the future should frame your present. Now, I'm not saying you wor- that's not worry. That's something else. It's called faith. Now, I'm going to say this even though I'm supposed to say it for next week. And it's faith and fear are the same thing. They both believe that what they cannot see will come to pass. So you get to decide which one you want. So we do not worry, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, tell him what we need and thank him for what he's done. I just gave you part two. Please come back. (laughs) 
Verse 13 says, and these are, these are the future convictions. These are, these are the convictions a future person lives by. It's the convictions our church will live by as we move into a new season where we are reaching a city with hand-in-hand with amazing churches that are already here. We're going to continue to push in because we believe we are light in the darkness. We are a city on a hill, amen, and we want to see Jesus on every single street and in every single heart. And so as we, these are the convictions of a person who believes there is a future. Verse 13 says, three things will last forever. Everybody say forever. Now, now do it the way you really wanted to do it, like the Sandlot. Everybody say forever. Cue the video. Yay! Forever. My four-year-old just started watching the Sandlot because I don't care what, how old you are. The Sandlot is a required, it's required reading as far as I'm concerned. And um, um, he loves it. He always describes it as the one with the bad dog. And... Um, I try to explain to him, it's a good dog. He's just misunderstood. And uh, forever, forever, these things will remain last forever. Some of, the, some of your translations will say remain. Um, and, and, and this idea that these things would be eternal, faith, hope, and love. We say faith, hope, and love. These things, and the greatest of these is love. These things, these things will last forever. See, so many of us want to build a life that will last without building it upon things that will last. And and in fact, even when I say things that will last, for many of us, the, the immediate thought is when we die. For many of us, even as believers who have an eternal calling, have an eternal hope, one of the things that happens for us is we can get stuck with this idea that my life only lives until the point that I die. As we just had with our Lions War Men's Global Summit the other day, legacy is not just what you've done, but it's what you've put into motion. It lives beyond your life, and it should be something that you put into the earth and put into your family or put into your friends or put into your career that goes beyond your duration there. Like, maybe you're in your job just for a season so that you can put something in that culture and in that place that did not exist before you but will live long after you. Maybe you've got a child you're going to raise at 18, and then you're going to politely tell them to go somewhere else, and, and, and you are putting in their hearts something that they will carry with them into their freshman year of college and, and into their first job, this faith and this hope and love. And it will not last if it's built upon the idea that you bought them a car, you bought them a house. Or they, it's all built upon what are you putting in their spirit that will remain beyond you. Because what I want for my son more than anything else is not a great car at 16, although I'll do my best. What I want is for him to be able to stand up in faith, believing about a future, have a hope, which is a confident expectation, and have a love that goes beyond anything that is required of someone else. It's just a love that loves. It's extravagant and goes beyond. And future people are people who live upon future things. Because if you read it in the message translation, let me just do that real quickly. Let me just read this in the message translation. I love the way it says it. It says, but for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do, listen to this, to lead us toward that consummation. Now, I just want you to catch something. These are words for now, but they are to lead us toward then. 
They, they are words for our present. But they are intended to lead us towards our future. So they are now and then words. But they are not just one word for just now and just Sunday and just today and just this moment. They are words that are built in your life so that they would carry you into whatever season you are going into next. So my faith is not just for now so I can feel good today. It's a faith that believes there is something God is calling us to that I'm going to step into even though I don't see it all because Hebrews 11, right, it's not all the things you can see. It's the things you can't see that created everything you can see. Some of our our greatest challenge is getting a handle on the things we can't see. It's the things that that we can't see that usually ruin the things we can, right? We get so caught up and, well, this isn't, this isn't, and this isn't, and this isn't. But if we live a life of Faith of trust, the essence of faith, trust, believing that God is who he says he is and as big as he says he is, that we would trust him enough to step into our today one step at a time, but always moving towards what God has called us into. They are forward-moving words. I just think sometimes I claim this word like hope. I have hope for now. I don't say that for now. I just think that for now. I have hope for now. Or we think of hope as, well, I have hope someday, but not right now. I'll have hope then, but not right now. But how many understand? Faith, hope, love, they are for now and they are for tomorrow. They are for present and they are for your future. And they are actually intended to connect the two. They are intended in your life as a believer, as someone who loves Jesus and follows Jesus, for you to rise up in faith every single day. And I know this is not easy. I understand that this is not always just the simplest thing, but it is also not born of yourself. Faith is not something you create on your own. That is something when you put yourself in front of God that he gives you, that he puts in your heart. And as you continue to put yourself in front of him, he will continue to build in you because he is the author and the perfecter of your faith. But faith is not intended for just a temporary place. In fact, first, its first intention, its first priority is your eternity. Our faith in Jesus and what he has done for you and I, the sacrifice that he made for you and I, that is where faith starts. Because the moment you wrap up and secure your eternity, it changes the way you live your temporary life. But how many of you know sometimes it is easy to wake up and let every worry and let every concern and let every, every temporary thing take over and dissolve and frustrate and overwhelm the future that we all hope for and believe in. In fact, some of us right now have, just have chosen one or the other. We've chosen a now and a then. For some of us, we've chosen a then. Well, someday, someday God will love me enough. Someday I will have hope. Someday I will. For some of us, it's just now. We never think about tomorrow. We never think about what will be. We never think about what God wants to do. We never think about the fact that, man, I am secure. God has given me eternity in heaven. He has given me a, a then. He has given me a then so that my now would be different. And sometimes we get mixed up and we choose one or the other. And when we lose one or the other, the other doesn't always work as well as it should. Because if you're looking at your future without any idea of the present, then you will do nothing to see that future come to pass. And if you're thinking about your present with never thinking about your future, then, then, then all of a sudden you just kind of you just kind of wonder and your guide is off. I, I want us to be a church. I want us to be a people. Listen, what you believe about the future has a great impact on how you live today. What I believe is that God has called you, that God has done everything he can to show you how much he loves you. 
And while you may be in a summer or a winter, do not only buy winter clothes. Do not only buy summer clothes because another season is coming. And that is the future. That is the promise of a then, not just a now. Do not let the circumstances of now overwhelm your convictions of your then. Do not let the tough moments of today cause you to give up on tomorrow. In fact, allow the things that you believe God has put in your heart, that, you, that, that God has already secured for you and his love for you, allow those things to drive you in every single moment. To realize that even though it might have been difficult or it is difficult or it is currently, right now, not so easy, that God has not left you, he has not forsaken you, and nothing, nothing, nothing that this earth can do to you, no circumstance or situation that this world can throw your direction can somehow make the cross of no effect. There is nothing you can add to the cross and resurrection, and there is nothing you can take away. What Jesus did is what Jesus did. He knows you now just like he'll know you then. His love for you is as good and as great as it ever will be, and it is not your good circumstances that somehow make you more lovable, somehow make you more hope-filled, somehow make you have more faith. Listen, I find that I need faith in the worst moments. I need hope in the, the toughest times. I think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking up the steps, and if you don't know the story, go look it up. It's crazy. And walking up the steps to a fire that they're about to be thrown in. Can I tell you, I don't think that they were going, well, this is just, you know, this is cool. Whatever. I believe in that moment is when their faith was shown about their future because their words to the king were, hey, listen, I don't care what you do. We are not bowing to you. And you can throw us in the fire furnace, but I know my God is for me, and he will be with me, and I'll be good. How many of you would have the guts to say something like that? Come on, but future people do not allow a current circumstance to determine their convictions. Future people do not look at a building and, well, I don't know if we can do that. I mean, it's a little bit more money. And it's a, like, I don't know if we, can we fill that many seats? Can we, can we reach that much more people? I'm like, I don't, future people go, no, God has called us to be a light in the dark, a city on a hill. Regardless of how we're, we're feeling today, regardless of what we're dealing with today, God has called us into something. And those convictions are going to drive our decisions. It's what, it's what causes the disciples to follow Jesus even when they didn't get it all right. It's what caused Daniel to open up the window and pray where he had always prayed, even though he had been threatened with death. It is what caused a man to build a boat when there had been no rain. And it's what caused the Savior, to, even in the midst of his pain, say, I'm going to give it anyways. God, it is your will. It is your will, and I believe what's about to happen is going to bring, it's going to bring people into our family. It's going to bring people into our place. It's going to bring people into an understanding of our love for them. And it's what's going to cause 125 people in a brick warehouse to believe enough about what God's put in this place and the people that God's put in this place to say, I'm going to go future. I'm going to go then and allow it to shift and change my now. I don't know where you've gotten hung up. And I, I want to read these three words out of the message translation because faith, hope, and love is the one you always hear, but I love the way the message translation says it to us. It says these three things that lead us toward that future thing, that clarity in tomorrow. Trust steadily in God. Is that where you are? Do you trust more like on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm not, listen, I'm not trying. This is, the, the Bible, God does not condemn us. He convicts us. 
Condemnation always reminds you of who you were and tries to get you to go back there. Conviction always tries to remind you of who God's created you to be and brings you closer to it. So, so, so like we may be going, oh, I'm going to trust him more steadily, more faithfully. It says hope unswervingly. Hope is simply this confident expectation. And ain't nothing that's going to get me off this track. I'm going to have confident expectation. And the last one, love extravagantly. Love extravagantly. And the Amplified Translation would explain that by saying simply that you love because you realize how much God loves you. You realize his extravagant love towards you, so you love extravagantly towards other people. So I don't know where you are on this faith, hope, love journey. I don't know where you are in the now and then. And maybe you've really struggled with your then and it's caused some struggles in your now. Or maybe you've gotten comfortable in your now and you've forgotten about your then and you've allowed your present to, to just be it. That's it. That's all. There's no, there's no other thing. There's no faith, hope, and love for my future. Maybe God wants today to remind you that you are both future and present. You are both then and now. You are a future people living in a present day. And you are called to bring heaven into earth. And not because you're some awesome, but because God has birthed something in your spirit that causes you to rise up in an unswerving hope, a never-ending trust, come on, an extravagant love, and brings you toward your future. So I want to pray, and I'm just going to ask you today, where do you sit? Where do you hang out? Are you hanging out too much in the now and allowing it to determine the course of your life? Are you forgetting about the convictions of your then? Or maybe you're hanging out too much in the then, and you're just going, well, someday, and someday, and someday, and someday. And maybe God's going, no, 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 I want you to, I want you to have both. Yes, you can trust me for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. I've, I'm good. Like you're, I want you to have to, but I need you to, I need you to stand straight up in today. I, I want you to be both now and then, both present and future. Allow your future to determine your present. Would you bow your head with me and let's pray over what God's going to do even now? Because what Jesus paid for on the cross was all of the above. He's going to redeem our past, renew our present, reclaim our future. Jesus died for us, gave his life for us so that we could live with a future hope in our present reality. And God wants to move in us and for us. And all we have to do is go, God, I love you. You know what? I'm not even sure how much I love you. I, I, like, I don't know you well enough yet, but I, I want to surrender my life to you. I want that kind of life. I want a future person type of life. I want something else to be driving my decisions. I want something else to be determining my thoughts. I, I don't want to have a fear about tomorrow. I want to have a faith about tomorrow. And I want it to cause my today to be different. Because I know you called me with a purpose. I know you called me with a, with a reason. I know you called me with a, with a calling on my life. That there, there's something I'm here for. But it is not temporary. It is an eternal thing. And I want to live with faith, hope, and love. And I don't want to keep being a then person or keep being a now person. I don't want to keep blaming then because of my now. And I don't want to keep blaming now because of my then. And I, I want to work both of those things at the same time in the same life to be able to live with this bigness and this largeness of my heart because of what you've done for me. And so what I'm going to ask you today 
just a couple seconds, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to surrender your now and then. You want to surrender your present and future. You want to, sur- you want to give all of that to God. And you want to go, God, redefine this for me. Reshape it. Get me back in sync. Get my heart, mind, soul, spirit back together. Let me work this thing the right way. Let me make sure that I'm living this for your glory. If that's you today and you'd say, you know what? I got to surrender my now. I got to surrender my then. Or I got to surrender both. I got to give, give my life to you. Because I want to live with expectation. I want to live with faith. If that's you today and you've somewhere gotten off track on that, God is bigger than anything you have ever done. He loves you more than you will ever know. And his grace, his grace, his grace is way more than any sin or trespass or mess up or mistake. If that's you today, say, I, I got to surrender my now, I got to surrender my then, I got to surrender both. Would you just right now, real quickly, boldly, courageously raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Wow, come on, thank you. Thank you. Jesus, thank you so much. Come on, I believe somebody's going to walk into a future. Somebody's going to change their present. Lord, we thank you. God, I pray for every person that just raised their hand all over this place. God, at some point, have either surrendered their future and not not really let let it... bring life into them or they've, or they've given up on their now. And God, I pray right now that their present and their future, God, would be all yours. It would be all yours. And that they would walk with faith, hope, and love into every situation. And it wouldn't be born of them. It'd be born of their surrendering to you. It'd be born of their relationship with you. It would be born out of their, their, their willingness to sit before you and go, you know what, God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't even know what chapter to read. I don't know what prayer is supposed to sound like, but I will give whatever I've got to you. And I'm so thankful, God, that you are big enough to take whatever we have and make it everything you've called them to be. I pray that as we surrender our life to you, God, you would work in us in new and miraculous ways. God, I thank you that we are a future people, and our future is people. And we will see people more and more and more come into your presence and your purpose because of these, this group right here living with faith hope and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand up. Let's sing again as we close out this morning.